0: Part one, this ain't everybody's hero story, it's yours. My first understanding of a superhero's origin came from a hand-me-down Spider-Man book that my cousin let me borrow. He handed it to me in Sunday school. The cover was so inviting that I excused myself to the bathroom, eschewing a lesson about Paul in Damascus to hide out beside the urinals and read about Peter in Queens. Sister Jones, my Sunday school teacher, was one of the church mothers. She wore only white and smelled like peppermint. She gave out the best candies after church and birthday cards with crisp $5 bills annually. But none of this obscured the terrifying fact that she was quick, she missed nothing, and she was not afraid to punish another person's child. So with my book hidden in my ill-fitting suit jacket, I slinked toward the bathroom, knowing that I would not have much time to live in Peter Parker's New York. Once there, I read quickly, voraciously. I did not savor the words and images. Time and fear of Sister Jones would not allow this. Even so, I knew that this book was powerful. I could not wait to talk to my cousin. When I got to him, I recounted the hero's story in the kind of reverent detail that Sister Jones reserved for hymns and testimony. He was bitten by a spider and became very strong, I started, exhaling the words as forcefully as I had taken them in moments before. Then something bad happened, and he did not use his powers to stop it, I continued. He felt guilty and resolved to always help people. Then he did, and no one could stop him. I paused. He knows that with great power comes great responsibility. I exhaled a final awestruck. Wow. That mantra left my heart racing. In many ways, it still does. I have come to learn that every generation has its hero story, and each story has its accompanying mantra. The context of those stories are different, but be they real or fictitious, when we tell the stories of our heroes, they all have the same arc. Our heroes are created from a simple template. Even when they do not fit cleanly, our retellings and mythologies make them fit. They are usually incredibly powerful and chosen in a fatefully divine moment. They confront the things that are clearly bad, no gray areas, and they often do this work alone. They suffer few setbacks, but when they do, they are didactic ones. Their good intentions and their sacrifice downplay or mute any collateral damage. And they all end with a similarly themed mantra, great power, great responsibility do your best, never quit, treat people fairly, stand for what's right, truth, justice, national pride. All of these can be beautiful statements of ideal. But the thing about hero stories and mantras is that we as a society believe them, wholeheartedly and to a fault. When one considers Western civilization, the hero ideal, more than religion and capitalism, is our national and economic ideology. To varying degrees, we subscribe to the myths that there are people who are somehow better than us, who possess an uncannily elevated ability to focus, to work, to think, and to act, and that these people's extraordinary abilities mean that they are more worthy of moral authority and economic prosperity. When we talk about ourselves, these are the stories that we tell. This is our mythology and our popularized history. This is Gilgamesh. Ulysses, and Zeus. This is George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, and Ragged Dick. These are, of course, the fictions we consume. This is Batman, Wonder Woman, and Spider-Man. Even when we seek to make that narrative more inclusive, we end up telling the same story. One person, incredible will, divine ability, on a mission to save us all. This is Susan B. Anthony, Martin Luther King Jr., and Cesar Chavez. These are the athletes we cheer for. These are the leaders that we want to elect. These are the people we hope will teach our children. We want them all to have hero-like qualities. The problem with this narrative is not those people. They are brilliant. The problem with this narrative is that it erases the complicated calculus of becoming and being a hero, a leader, a change agent, a teacher, this narrative does not allow heroes to be imperfect or to be nuanced. It does not allow them to grow tired, to fail, to learn publicly, or to grieve. As such, it is exclusive. Any narrative that mutes or denies imperfection, silences and refuses our essential humanity. The subtext of all this says, you can't quite be a hero because you are tired and heroes don't get tired and because you are confused or angry or unready or broken. We have been taught that none of these things is heroic, and to some extent we have believed this, both text and subtext. Stories are a powerful blueprint for what is possible. The histories that we choose to tell regulate our imagination for the futures that we aspire to build. That these stories often get told in a way where Elizabeth Cady Stanton Bayard Rustin and Dolores Huerta don't exist as easily as their contemporaries limits how we understand, plan for, and work toward change. We can learn lots from hero stories, but sometimes they leave out the concrete realities of change. Change is participatory. There is no program you can buy or person you can pay to make things better for you. Change is not a one-size-fits-all thing, nor is there a single solution or panacea for real progress. The work that is required feels like trial and error and error and error most of the time. Though change is personal, this kind of work requires a team of people who will not and should not always agree with you. Often, you'll have to deal in some public way with your own flaws. Working toward change almost always means that we must abandon ways of doing things and thinking things that are not working. One cannot change outcomes for a student a classroom, a school, or a district without changing one's own behavior and thinking. In this, sometimes we fail or undermine our own work. We can forgive ourselves for this and continue moving forward. This work is not instant. There is no quick path to success. Things won't always go well the first or second or ninth time. We are allowed to fail, reflect, improve, and try again. This is the only way. The teacher-as-superhero story can be similarly misleading. We cannot begin to fully understand this story without a quick examination of why people would construct such a narrative in the first place. To consider Batman as a hero, one must acknowledge Gotham City, its inhabitants, and their storied mythology. He does not exist without context. To consider teachers as heroes, One must acknowledge schools, communities, students, and the uneasy history that binds them. We do not exist without context either. The inhabitants of Gotham live in fear of evident crime from a few public crime lords. In his universe, this is how things are for Batman. This is his status quo. Batman knows this. His crusade is not just against the crime lords. His work is fundamentally disruptive because it aims to change the status quo. The only people who oppose him are those who benefit in some way from the way things are. Schools are economic and political constructs. This is how they are. The leaders in China's Song Dynasty saw them this way and they articulated it clearly. They erected schools as a pathway to civil service jobs. As such, school was at the center of economic stability to the governed and civic stability to those who governed. This, of course, was not without its problems. In theory, all males were eligible, but the cost of an education, even in the year 960, was great, so only the sons of well-off parents could afford to succeed. This meant that only the sons of well-off parents got good jobs. For centuries, few challenged this. In the 1770s, Thomas Jefferson grappled with this issue. In an ideal sense, he saw schools as a political safeguard from the potential tyranny of a king. In a democracy, White men would vote for those who would govern. But to vote, he contemplated, one needed to understand the issues of the day. And he believed schools could serve in this capacity. Since Jefferson, educators have sought to raise the quality of education and to broaden access to it. The work of teachers has not been just to teach. For generations, educators have labored to ensure that access to schools and to the opportunities that schools guarantee Extended equally, not just to men or to the wealthy, but to all learners. This work is economic, it is political, and it is disruptive. It seeks to change the status quo by making room at the table for all of us. There are those who oppose this kind of work, and they do so partly because whether they know it or not, they benefit in some way from the way things are. So why the teacher-is-hero mythology? Because if educators are working toward equity, one way to silence them is to deify them. In both its fact and its many fictions, the story of the superhero teacher creates a set of problematic expectations for our profession, the people engaged in it, and those that we labor to serve. It suggests that one can work alone, that constant sacrifice is the expected method for doing this work well, or that our work is the result of some kind of inherent or mystical goodness and not years of careful practice and study. It allows one to discredit work that is in progress or those who do this work in non traditional ways, because heroes can only look like Hilary Swank, Michelle Pfeiffer, Edward James Almost, Sidney Poitier, or Glenn Ford. One way to take your voice back is to expand the narrative. The thing that they rarely show you in the superhero books and movies is the practice montage, the time that people spend getting good. Even in the biographies we read, little attention is given to the time that our real-life heroes spend missing their families, the time they spend second-guessing themselves, disagreeing with their allies, or recovering from the stresses of the job. I'm a writing teacher. Many of us are we can help the profession to craft a better hero narrative. In doing so, we can craft better heroes, not just for the students that we hope to teach, but for the world that we hope to build.